0: It's a cautionary tale of fear and lust and pride based on actual events where people died. Well, no one died, but how far would you go to be popular and hot? Would you resist temptation? no you would not just admit it sometimes mean is what you are mean is easier than nice and though mean can't take you far maybe this will make you think twice i hope you're wearing your pink because today we're talking about mean girls so fetch right now Welcome to Pop Culture Catechism, conversations about music, movies, and the longings of the human heart. Let's get started. Who am I? Where do I belong? What is it that I'm supposed to do? These are some of the most basic questions we as humans have to somehow answer for ourselves throughout the course of our lives, but they're not probably questions you're going to be explicitly asked very often. But make no doubt, every day of our lives, each one of us is answering these questions in one way or another by our thoughts, by our actions, by the way we treat the people around us. And in my opinion, no recent piece of popular art asks these questions in a funnier, more incisive way than the early 21st century classic movie, Mean girls. It's a movie, it's a stage musical, and now a movie musical. I'm super excited today to be joined by screenwriter and playwright, and also the executive director of the Catholic Artist Connection, Emily Claire Schmidt. If you don't know who I am, I'm Mike Tenney. I'm a Catholic speaker and worship leader out of Washington, D.C. I spent over a decade teaching Catholic high school theology and also trying to make it big as a rock star at night. And now I'm blessed to speak to thousands of people and lead worship for them all over the place and especially through this show, Pop Culture Catechism. This is Pop Culture Catechism. It's the gospel according to pop music and movies and shows where we take a deep dive into the media that you're plugged into so that then when we unplug, we can go out in the real world and have a deeper sense of God's love for us and hopefully share that with the people around us and help us take that next step on our spiritual journey. I want to give a special thank you to everyone who supports the show, but especially our patrons through popculturecatechism.com. And the sponsor of this episode, catholicmerch.store, where you can buy awesome Catholic hoodies and mugs and hats and shoes and all of that supports everything that goes on here at Awaken Catholic. So without further ado, I want to welcome to the show, Emily Claire Schmidt. Emily, how are you doing?
1: Good. Thank you so much, Mike. I'm so excited to be on the show and especially to talk about Mean Girls.
0: Um, yes, I'm excited too. We uh, got put in touch by Samantha Pavlok, who's the director of Femme Catholic. She was on our uh, Handmaid's Tale episode, and mm. she and I were, are always kind of bouncing ideas off each other, and she said, you and Emily need to talk. And I was like, well, I wouldn't want to, you know, just through email I was like, oh, I want to do mean girls. And you were like, hold up. I love mm-hmm. mean girls. So it just kind of seemed very, very uh, serendipitous, Holy spirit, uh, If you want to say yes. that, uh, in connecting us. So I'm really excited to, to, to talk about mean girls. I love when stuff that was popular and, when I was coming up like through high school Mm -hmm. and college and now it comes back around a few years later and all of a sudden it's, it's, it's fresh again. So, but before we dive into Mean Girls, uh, tell us, uh, tell us who you are, what are you doing and, uh, what's exciting in your world?
1: Yeah. So, um, as you mentioned, I'm a playwright and screenwriter, um, I also am the executive director of the Catholic Artist Connection, which is an organization dedicated to easing the loneliness of being a Catholic artist. So we have a Ooh. newsletter, we have local chapters in different cities, um, and opportunities for Catholics anywhere in their spiritual journey, wherever they are, with their faith, um, to just come together, pray, form friendships, um, and realize that they are not the only artists who are people of faith and not the only artists who are Catholics and really sort of lean on each other for support. I feel like
0: a lot of times as an artist, we artists tend to push the boundaries and ask kind of questions that are outside the box and we think outside Mm -hmm. the box. And I think Catholicism sometimes can have kind of a a rigid structure. And so a lot of times we artists feel like we don't fit within the church, which I don't think is right. But I I think a lot of times that kind of comes across. So I think what you're doing with Catholic Artist connection, that that, everything you said was just like hit me right in my artist's Mm. heart. Like, oh yes, I have felt very alone sometimes in this world. So that's, that's awesome. Absolutely. Uh, What you're doing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And most of my, artistic work is in the secular world so then i Mm -hmm. the opposite i feel like i'm the only catholic around you know Mm -hmm. and then in the catholic world sometimes you feel like a bit of a fish out of water so we're bridging that gap um and that's yeah that's our mission um and i also as you know i write for femcath um i write about pop culture for them and i also write about sex and relationships So that really comes into this movie very much so.
0: Yeah. And so I was, I was looking through your stuff on Femme Catholic and I was like, Oh, I've read this article before. Oh, I've read this article before. Like these are some of my favorite articles that Femme Catholic has done. They've been some of the ones you've written. So, uh, I, I, really appreciate the stuff that, that you've written there. So we'll, we'll oh, put links so to Femme yeah. Catholic and uh, Catholic Artist Connection uh, for mm-hmm. sure in the show notes. So um, you say you're a screenwriter and, and playwright. Is there is there any things that you've written that you're like really proud of that you would love people to go check out?
1: Um, so I'm working on a musical. It's in progress. Um, it's called The Inconvenient Miracle. And it's a musical comedy about a Catholic all-girls high school. Um, okay. The I don't want to go... Too deep into it, but I will say that the play, um, the musical, is a comedy about a young girl. She's an atheist, um, but she finds out that she is inexplicably pregnant, and Mm -hmm. she has to convince the rest of the school that it is not Jesus, but no one believes her. (laughs) Um, And the play, it's it's interesting because it is it is a musical comedy, but it deals with faith. Obviously, it deals with women's Mm -hmm. bodies. It deals with consent. Um, and it deals with abortion. Um, and wow. myself and my two co writers have very different, very different opinions on that subject. And we are writing the show together. So wow. it is something that it's a work in progress, but it's something I'm really proud of. Um, yeah,
0: that sounds really yeah. exciting.
1: Yeah. So cool. that's happening. And I've also, I mean, if you've seen my work, it's probably on the Hallmark channel. I've written two Hallmark movies. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you feel comfortable telling us what they were?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Beverly Hills Wedding, which is a Valentine's Day rom-com and okay. Raise a Glass to Love, which is a fall harvest wine romance.
0: Okay. I'm so. sure my wife has either seen them or wants to see them. I'm going to have to <laughs> ask her about
1: this. Yeah. <laughs> it's very cool. All
0: right. Well, so listeners, if you are not familiar with Mean Girls, you've probably been living under a rock or may- maybe you were born in that magical time between like 2005 and now. <laughs> and so you kind of missed it. But uh, the, mo- the movie Mean Girls came out in 2004 and then it was made into a Broadway musical that officially hit Broadway in 2018. And just this month in January, 2024, it's been remade as a movie in... And- and uh, kind of a mix of the original movie and the musical hitting the screen with some of the original cast back, Tina Fey and Tim Reynolds from SNL. Tim Reynolds, is that his name? Tim, uh, I forget his name, Tim something. Tim Reynolds used to play guitar with uh, Dave Matthews. It's a different Tim, but anyway. <laughs> not Tim Reynolds. <laughs> not Tim um, Reynolds. Tim Meadows. Tim, Tim Meadows. Meadows. <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah, so they're, mm-hmm. they're back. And uh, I think the girl that played Regina George on Broadway has the lead in this. Yes,
1: so, yes. Yeah, it's, it's Renee Rat. Renee Rapp. Yeah,
0: Renee Rapp. And she's just incredible. So today we're going to talk about the original movie. We're going to talk some about the musical and uh, just kind of the themes within it. So Mm -hmm. just before we dive into some of the themes, just artistically, what do you love about the original Mean Girls movie? What (laughs) what in it speaks to your heart?
1: (laughs) Absolutely. So um, I was in high school. I I was a young high schooler when Mean Girls came out. So I Mm -hmm. was I was the age of the characters in the movie. Um, And what what really strikes me about that movie is this story of how desperately these young women want to belong mm. and how even the most popular among them doesn't feel like they do. Yes. And it's, it's really, I mean, obviously it's hilarious and it has some of the best one-liners, I think, in movie history um, and it's brutal. I mean, these girls are brutal to each other. Um, and they really all but are losing sight of themselves and yet it has so much heart. And I think a lot of times about the character Gretchen and just the the feeling she has, of just why does my best friend fundamentally not like me? And yeah. I think that that is a really, um, it's just something everyone can relate to, especially at that age. And it's also just, it, it is one of the first movies that I was exposed to that was a that was a comedy female centered and not a rom-com. I mean, yeah, there's a romance yeah. in it, but it's not mm-hmm. about the romance, a female centered buddy movie that everybody liked that had a big impact on me um, at that age. And still now as a writer, yeah.
0: what's, what's that test they talk about where like if in the movie, the,
1: the um, Bechdel test,
0: the Bechtel test. Yeah. Can you, you mm-hmm. explain this?
1: Absolutely. So it's, there's a bunch of different iterations of it, but the basic idea is that if a movie has two female characters, they are both named and they talk together about something that is not a man, it passes. And what's really shocking is how few movies do. Um, yeah,
0: I remember, now, I remember when somebody told me that, I was like, that can't be true. And then I started like paying attention. I was like, oh, wow. Like a lot of big famous movies, most movies probably do not.
1: <laughs> like don't do not. don't pass this at all.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's really, it's stunning because we think that, you know, movies will have really rich female characters, but it's normally the love interest of the man. Um, and so these movies that are fundamentally about women, and of course, like a lot of the things these girls are fighting about is boys. There's no question that they're fighting about boys, but that's only one of the many things they're fighting about, right? And at the end of the day, the boys are kind of secondary to the fact that they want to belong to each other. Um, And that they can't figure out how to do that, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. until the end. They do figure it out.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think a lot of times in 2021 – or twenty? Mm-hmm. What year is it? It's twenty twenty four. I don't know why. I said yeah. <laughs> I'm just behind the times. Uh, and <laughs> I was thinking the twenty first century. That's why. But in in twenty twenty four, it's it's easy. I think maybe especially from a man's perspective to be like, okay, like you know, I mean, I'm a stay at home dad. My wife is the breadwinner mm-hmm. in our family. It's easy thing. All right, like you know, we're, we've sexism is over. We've 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 equalized the scales, and women can do what they want to do. If they want to stay home, they can stay home. If they want to go to work, they can go to work, and but then there's kind of more subtle under the surface things like 90% of our movies are making up the percentage, but a lot of our movies that men and women are watching, women are kind of always on the sidelines are only Mm -hmm. presented as in relation to men and men's desires. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's something subtle that it's not written into our laws. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. women can't vote or women can't leave the home or something like that. But it's kind of a a subtle sexism that we don't notice.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: uh, yeah, so I think it's, I think it's, That's why movies like this are important. We did a whole episode on Barbie, uh, too. And I think that, Mm. again, I think that was uh, an an important movie for for similar, but also some different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love how the musical starts off. It talks about how this is a cautionary tale, right? This is a cautionary tale of, Mm -hmm. you know, being mean, it can kind of get you. So far. Cause we have Katie who comes in and she's this homeschool girl and she was homeschooled. Like her parents were on safari in Africa. So she mm-hmm. lived like yeah. part of this safari family in Africa. And then she moves back to the States cause her family lost funding or something. And she's going to an American high school for the first time. And she's trying to, to navigate the culture shift. And now I'm in this high school and there's kind of a lot of animal behavior. Like there's this mm-hmm. pecking order, this hierarchy, just like with the lions and the food chain <laughs> and, and uh, predators. There are predators predators. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, all right. So let's uh, talk about this, this kind of Regina George perspective. Regina is like boss, mean girl. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and what, what do you see as her like key struggle? What, it, what is, what, what, let's say you were like Regina George's youth minister or teacher, like what what are the things you're trying to work through with Regina?
1: Absolutely. So she's the queen bee, right? Um, and what's interesting is Tina Fey actually was inspired by a parenting book to write Mm -hmm. mean girls. Um, and it's, I don't remember the name of the book, but this book, which is about the competition of high school Mm -hmm. girls. Um, and this idea that there's sort of this, sexual competition between the girls, not to be having more sex. It's not like like that. It's mm-hmm. to be desired, right? You want to be the most desired person. And Regina George, if I were her youth minister, I would say to her, well, she's completely defining her dignity and her value in relationship to other people's mm. fear and respect of her. She needs to be and, and I can't even say that she needs to be loved because I think she knows that nobody likes her because um, nobody does. She, she needs for people to fawn over her and worship her in order to feel like she has any value whatsoever. She has absolutely no sense of inherent dignity. Mm. And it's really, I mean, yeah, she's the, she's the, she seems like the desirable person that everybody wants, but she's walking around with absolute, she's a vessel. Right? Yeah. The only thing that gives her a sense of self is other people wanting her, mm-hmm. men, boys wanting her, and other girls being envious of her. Without yes. that, she doesn't know who she is.
0: And, and even her mom. Uh, brilliantly played by Amy Poehler <laughs> yes <laughs> the movie being like the cool mom it's like okay just give me the <sighs> car keys you can drink here I'm not like those other moms. her mom is the I mean, worst
1: what? yeah and the little
0: <laughs> sisters like flashing the TV screen and oh yeah um Yeah. And I definitely went to high school with some kids that had moms like that. And definitely Mm -hmm. as a teacher, I met some parents like that as well. Um, But the mom is struggling with the same thing. Like she wants so badly to be validated, even by her own children, that she can't hold a boundary on her own principles. Yeah, And, yep. and I, I remember being like that in, in high school. Sometimes I'm, I'm still like that. It's still a struggle, but I, mm-hmm. I remember specifically in high school, I went to a new school. I didn't know many people and feeling like I had to act a certain way to be cool, to get friends. You know, I got a I, there was this kid on my soccer team I, and, who was kind of a nerd. And I felt like I had to kind of make fun of him to kind of fit in with the other guys. Mm-hmm. Um, or when I joined the wrestling team, I made varsity as a freshman and I felt like, yeah, yeah. I'm the man I'm trying to like impress the seniors and, and those sorts of things like talking in ways I wouldn't normally talk Um, Mm -hmm. You know, just just acting in ways I wouldn't normally act to try to fit in and be cool. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't until I got involved at the youth group at my church and I met some people who were different. They had like a different sort of freedom. They were willing to -hmm. like talk about things that were going on in their lives without this fear of like, who's going to judge me? And right. I remember one, one time we were on a retreat or something and, and one of the senior girls who was like super cool and I thought she was awesome and pretty. She like talked about like problems in her family and like her parents were having issues and her sister was depressed and how mm-hmm. she relied on God to like get through these things. And I just remember like mind blown. I was like, I mean, I believe in God, but I wouldn't like tell anybody, you know, Right? <laughs> that's not cool. You know, right. like I, I have problems in my life, but I wouldn't tell anybody. You know, the the fact that she was so vulnerable, she had like this freedom Mm -hmm. that I knew I didn't have, but I wanted. And it was, it was through those kind of kids that I met at my church that were living differently, not for other people's expectations with like a a different understanding of what it meant to be a community, not this hierarchy and pecking order. Like you were talking about it. And it's just what Jesus says in the gospel is like, if you want to be the greatest among you, you must be the least, you know, you must be the servant. Of Mm -hmm. all, and that's that's the sort of kids that I met in my youth group were kids that weren't so concerned about putting themselves above others, but were willing to be vulnerable and reach out to people who weren't as cool. You know, like it was kind of the cool thing to go after the kid that wasn't cool. And I just remember that that had such an impact on me. And I was like, that's what that's the sort of person I want to be. You know, not cussing because my friends are cussing or or you know doing crazy things Mm -hmm. at at parties or get-togethers. Not that I was invited to any parties, but (laughs) right. (laughs) so
1: well it's um, interesting in mean girls obviously it's a comedy right so it's an exaggerated version of this you know few people thankfully had high school experiences like that but what's interesting about mean girls is there is no there's no version of that there's no youth group there's no nice kid in the entire movie i mean maybe the boy that she's interested in but like he's not really, because he's still going after Regina, who's ever interested in him. There's no... Yeah, he's he's the kind kinda of kids, clueless. <laughs> yeah. There's not, the kids that you think are going to be the nice kids, like the uncool kids, are actually deeply mean, too. And they they have this whole plan to cut down Regina. So Katie really doesn't have what you had, um, which is like people that are going to value her as a person and want what's best for her. I do feel like when I was in high school, I was really, really fortunate... Because I, I went to an all girls high school and I know that a lot of people had experiences with a lot of cattiness and a lot of clickiness and I really didn't. And my friends, they really wanted me to be a good person. Like I could mm-hmm. tell that that was a thing. And those same people to this day, whether they're Christian or not, you know, we have a certain, there's a fundamental sort of value of the people that you befriend or people who are going to tell you. Not that you're wearing the wrong color on Wednesday, but that, like, you're doing the wrong thing and maybe you should do a different thing. Katie does not have an option to make a friend like that in this particular high school.
0: Yeah, that's true. And I wonder if the fact that you and I had those experiences with – did you go to a Catholic school? You said it was all girls. Yeah, so the fact that you – that you and I had at a very formative age, mm-hmm. a very positive experience of that sort of community mm-hmm. in the church setting is probably why we're like grown adults that are still Catholic, like riding the Jesus train, you know? And I, I know are <laughs> lots of people who have not had that experience, like the experience, mm-hmm. like they had Regina Georges in their youth group or working at their parish or they met mm-hmm. at, at their Catholic school. And so that was their experience of... Of, of church and of Christ. And I, I totally understand why, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, if I, if I'd gone to a, a school like that, or I had a church like that, I'm not sure I'd be Catholic either. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want any part of that Jesus, you know, that was reinforcing this it, do everything for other people's approval and the social pecking order mm-hmm. sort of mentality towards the world. Uh, you talked about how you went to an all girls Catholic school Mm-hmm now, there's a, a quote from, I, I think it's in the movie, but I know it's definitely in the musical where Katie says, as she's figuring out her new school, she says, wow, girl world has a lot of rules. Like, I got to look like this. I got to act like this. So what what, what, is, what is this kind of fake femininity, fake version yeah. of womanhood that we, we see unhealthily um, portrayed in this movie or maybe in the real world, too? What, what is fake there in, 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 fe- in femininity and what do you see as a self-described Catholic feminist? Like what's authentic femininity, absolutely. you know? So easy questions here only.
1: <laughs> absolutely. No, I, I love this question. <laughs> a girl ru- world does have a lot of rules, right? It, there's a, yeah, absolutely a lot of do's and don'ts that Katie runs into and that, high school girls or even adult women run into, and one of them is about this, um, sexiness standard, which is really, I I think that as Catholics, we tend to be like, when we talk about the challenges of being a woman, we want to say, oh, well, the culture wants you to dress promiscuously and that's bad and it undermines your dignity. And, and yes, that there's an element of that. But I think if you watch the movie, it's actually much, even more insidious than that, because yes... She has to dress sexy for the Halloween party. She can't dress fun. She can't enjoy herself oh. being a, a scary yeah, bride. She shows she up as me. the
0: Frankensta- bride of Frankenstein <laughs> yeah, like, and they're like, which Oh is my great. gosh.
1: But she can't do that. She has to be hot, but she absolutely cannot be too hot because then she's a mm. slut. And I think that it, it's not just that a woman needs to be attractive. She also cannot offend us with her attractiveness, mm. right? We, we can't see too much of her body. and And I think that, Christian women run into this problem all the time too. It's like, there is an idea of like this feminine ideal, even if it's a modest ideal that you, you want to portray. But if you become too attractive, then you're, you're sort of treading that line, right? Yeah. And, and fundamentally, I think the sad thing is Katie had it right when she first showed up at the party in her, scare, in her Frankenstein bride concert because she was yeah. dressing for herself. She was dressing mm-hmm. to enjoy herself. She was in dressing to have fun. She—it's Halloween. She wanted to. Move, I mean, that was a great costume, right? Like, mm-hmm. and and she wasn't dressing for anybody else's like assessment of her physical form until she got there and she found out that she'd done the wrong thing. Um, yeah. And then by the end of the movie, people are calling her, you know, a slut or whatever, you mm-hmm. know. And it's just yep. like, don't even try to tread that needle. Like mm-hmm. it's, they, they're out. The culture wants to just bring women down and mm-hmm. try to define their dignity by what they look like. I mean, yeah. that's just fundamentally what it is.
0: The kind of the, the key monologue of the Barbie movie talks about that too. It's mm-hmm. like, you gotta be like this, but you can't be too like this. you know? and, and that's the trap of trying to take your worth from other people's expectations. And so mm-hmm. like, I, I feel like we have to find our identity and our value in, in, in something deeper. And I think mm-hmm. this is a place where like psychology and our faith really match up really yeah. well. St. Thomas Aquinas talks about these things that always tempt us away from God. He has these four things that say people use as substitutes for God. And it's like honor is one. So that's like the opinions of other people mm-hmm. and uh, power, like the ability to control a situation and control what, what's going on. Uh, wealth so like having access to a lot of things and then pleasure and and people tend to substitute those things for god but they always leave us wanting more and you see regina george even when she's at the peak of high school honor it, it's mm. so tenuous it's like it's such a uh it's not a real happiness and aristotle mm. even talks about this he calls it the, the life of fame or the life of honor it's not real happiness because it's dependent on other people and it can't last and right. so i feel like we we need to rely on something deeper for mm-hmm. our our happiness. There was a I had a psychologist on my show once and he said that there's three what he called tasks of adolescence where each adolescent person as they're growing up they're subconsciously asking themselves these three questions in their mind. Who am I? My identity, that's the first one. Where do I fit? The community. And what am I supposed to do? My mission. Identity, community, and mission. And you see the girls in this movie and musical they're wondering who am I where do I fit what am I supposed to do like how am I supposed to direct my energy in this world and they get caught very much caught up in this this hierarchy of I, I need to get to here and that's mm-hmm. how I'm gonna find my place that's where I'm gonna find where I fit is people who help me to stay there and uh, if people aren't helping me to stay there then aren't then Katie is gonna leave behind her loser friends and go sit with the, the cool kids who aren't really even her friends, but because it gets her higher in that social status, that's going to be her community. And I think it's so easy for us to fall into that is, you know, am am I spending time really with the people who are helping me to be the best person? Or am I spending time with people that, have like the best connections, or like, are mm-hmm. cool. My job am I doing the job that I really feel called to as part of my vocation, and the best use of my gifts, or am I just taking the job that has the most money, or is going right. to you know help my career? And and those two things can match up, but I, I think that can be very clarifying for us if we really mm-hmm. do. Ask ourselves, like, is this, is this a, the true sort of identity I'm supposed to have as a child of God? Who's our community supposed to be? It's supposed right. to be followers of Christ in the church that we see and treat each other as brothers and sisters. And what's my mission? To spread the love of God, to live this kingdom of God, to live a heavenly life already here on earth, and to, and to forget about the social hierarchy. I'm going to be the greatest by being the least, by being the servant of all. And that's radical that is totally in the face of everything in our culture that says your job is to be upper middle class right. and have other people look at you. And and that's something I would say to my, my teens all the time when I was working in school was we have bigger dreams for you than being upper mm-hmm. middle class, much bigger dreams. There's something way better than that.
1: Yeah. I, 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 you may have said this already, but this idea of vocation as being where, um, your great, longing meets the world's great need Ooh, and, say that again um someone wants to find vocation to me mm. as the place where your deep longing meets the world's deep need like so that. whatever the thing is that god has put in you that desire to do something there's a place in the world that needs that and when you can find that match then you may have found the place that god wants you to be Doing the thing that God wants you to do. And, and the task of your life is to, to find that, right? To find that vocation. And that is an entirely different mission, right? An entirely different yes. job than where do I fit in the stratus, you know, the stratified, stratified culture, you know, that we have. Um, and I do think, although obviously the, the movie ends and the school's at Harmony and Katie has sort of redefined, refound herself. She's still very much on the path. She hasn't gotten there yet, but one of the first steps is that she has to break down the, that structure around her. Right. So she, she knows she'll never be able to find her real people as long as this structure is existing. Right. Um, and also just, I, I think that at the end of the movie as well, some people are lost at, she finds Gretchen, the one character that I mentioned at the top, who's all the other characters like do a little better. They're finding a better place. And Gretchen just finds a new group of people to bully her. And like, that's where she is at the end of the movie. Um, so I, I do think it's possible for people to, to fail at that mission that we're given just to seek where we really are. And, and that's, that's when it's like really heartbreaking.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, let's talk about how they end up, kind of breaking out of this at the end is there's this burn book, right? Where they, where mm-hmm. they put all their mean, nasty comments that in 2004 is largely before social media. Like we had like AOL instant messenger, but there wasn't Facebook yet or Facebook was just about to come out. So there wasn't like cyber bullying as much as like right. there can be today. Um, so they had this physical book called the burn book where they would mm-hmm. put out all these nasty rumors about everybody and then it ends up distributed to the, the whole school and everybody finds out about everybody's nasty business. And so they have this assembly at the school and I'm having trouble remembering exactly what goes down at that assembly. But that, that's like where everything kind of comes to a head. Yes. Right? Do you remember this?
1: Yes, so uh, Tina Fey's character puts together this sharing session um, where everyone gets a chance to get up there and talk about the ways in which they've been hurt. That's where the famous, the great line of "She doesn't even go here" comes from. Where <laughs> the one girl gets up and she doesn't even, she doesn't even go there. Um, but everyone shares their um, things, and then Janice uh, gets up and she reveals the the whole plot to take down Regina George. Basically telling uh, Katie, like telling everyone that Katie's been giving Regina George these weight gain bars, that she's been, you know, kissing her boyfriend, all of these terrible things. Regina gets mad. She runs out. She's crying. She gets hit by a bus.
0: (laughs) And then. And then with the first time I saw that, I was like, did that just ah! happen? Is this like a dream (laughs) sequence? Like, no, she actually got hit by a bus. Brilliant! I've never seen something like that in a movie before.
1: <laughs> it's so it's so brilliant because our initial reaction is, "Oh, this is a fantasy." Like we, it's so ridiculous that we're like, "That can't be real," and then it is. Um, and of course, we learn then that Katie's reputation is so bad that people actually think that she pushed Regina in front of the bus. Hmm. So she has to grapple with the fact that people dislike her so much. She's such a mean person. Mm-hmm. that people actually believe that she'd be capable of pushing Regina George in front of the bus. Um, yeah. and, and sometimes that, that's
0: kind of what we need to stop staking our yeah. worth on what other people think of us. Sometimes right. it takes kind of a rock bottom moment where we're like, Oh, well, this is not worth it. I'm going to stop playing this game. I'm not going to mm-hmm. worry about how many likes I get or how many followers I get or what people say about me. Like sometimes it takes a moment like that yeah. to get there. Yeah. Um, I love this song from the musical. It talks about it roars and she's talking about trying to find the, her place. And, Mm -hmm. you know, she's talking about the lions in Africa where she grew up, but then she's also talking about like, there's something inside us that roars this need to belong. I'm going to find some friends. It roars within us all. And I think that is true. So true, and it's 100% in line with with what you find in the scriptures and in our Catholic faith, is Mm -hmm. that we have within us this longing. Like, what does God say about Adam? After he creates Adam in Genesis 2, he Mm -hmm. saw that it was not good for the man to be alone. And so he made all these creatures and brought them to the man and the man named them, but none of them was a suitable creature. And it wasn't until he reached into his core, into his heart and formed out this other being. And Mm -hmm. then at last Adam's like, ah, this, this one, this one can be a partner Mm -hmm. for me. And that at last is where he, he finds some belonging. And I think as much in Christian tradition as we have of, you know, private prayer time alone and finding your worth in, in God and, you know, monks and hermits and all those sorts of things there's also something about us that embraces that social aspect of our humanity, that we, Mm -hmm. we, we find belonging in one another. And uh, that's one of the things I love about Jesus's teachings is not, it's not just a me and God, right? We have that personal relationship with the God that loves us and we are his beloved, but there's all this, this community that he tries to gather imperfect as we are, you know, Mm -hmm. in the church and we hurt each other and mess up all the time, but we're called to try to be, This, as Pope Francis calls this field hospital where we're taking care of each other and we're forgiving each other and reconciling with each other and also holding each other accountable and and trying to do the messy work of loving imperfect, imperfect people imperfectly Mm -hmm. and somehow by God's grace. We're, we're, we're able to do it or you know hopefully we're able to do it some of the time yeah. <laughs> um, but that, that's what I've what I've found in the church is what I've found through my marriage and my friendships is when I when I, I bring God into it and the more I go to prayer and we face those hardships those, those times where I've failed or where the other people in my church or my marriage or whatever have failed going to God using using the grace available to us through the sacraments mass and reconciliation that's where we find the grace to l- love have a perfect love and an imperfect relationship. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah. um, yeah, I, I, I just, I just think that that call within us, that roar, like that, that longing within our hearts for, for connection, to be loved, to be seen, to be known. We, we long I, for it in other people and we can find it to some extent in other people, but ultimately we're only going to find it in a relationship with God, you know, an, an, an infinite God.
1: You I think that's really, infinite longing. Really beautiful and and absolutely true. Um, and to the extent that we are seeking God in other people, we will be able to have deeper relationships with them yes mm-hmm.
0: that and that vulnerability mm-hmm. like people getting up and, and, and saying, like I talked about in, in my youth group, like people sharing vulnerable yeah. and talks and it happens in, in the movie. She got, it, it made me, it reminded me of like Kairos. I don't know if you ever went on a Kairos retreat oh, yes. in high school. Yeah, so yeah. that remind, that scene in the movie reminds me very much of like a Curcio Kairos yes. sort of thing where people get up and they share very publicly and people cry and write each other letters and, you know, it's all kind of cheesy. We, we look back on it and kind of kind of roll our eyes a little bit, but there's also something deeply beautiful there, you know, and that's, it was there that... A lot of my faith first came alive. That like, whoa, we can really be vulnerable with each other mm-hmm. and really share. And I think that has helped me in my friendships and my marriage and my relationship with my kids to be able to talk about like really deep, hurtful things and, I, you know, kind of get past that awkwardness and and, and to yeah. be vulnerable. So, um,
1: I was definitely a, a Kairos leader back in yeah. the day. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> Live the fourth, man. Live <laughs> the fourth. Uh-huh. Um.
1: I, I also I don't know how much time we have, but I also wanted to talk a little bit about Katie's um, decision to dumb herself down in order to yes. date um, the boy she likes, Dylan. I believe is is the character's name. Yeah,
0: who's sitting sitting behind her and is like on October third. He asked me the t- he asked yes. me the date. What's the date? <laughs> it's October third. Like that
1: that whole sequence. That whole sequence. It's so interesting because I, when we were looking, I was looking over the notes before this and, you know, you had written about that moment, you know, about women, is this something women do? And it had me thinking because I, it's, it's a known phenomena.
0: Yeah. Do, do women known, dumb themselves down yeah. to not intimidate men or attract men?
1: Yeah. yeah. And I, I think it's really, I think what happens is we have this sort of zero sum game about dignity. Mm. Basically and it's similar actually to what's happening with Regina George, I need everyone to worship me, is we feel that we, or not we, people in general can sometimes feel that if another person is smart or impressive or attractive or any of these things, then I must be less than that. Like only one of us can be the smart one in this room or someone's a little bit smarter. And women are very conditioned to make other people happy. I mean, mm. of, many often women are told from a young age to be nice, unlike the mean girls things. Girl, little girls, be nice, be nice, be nice. And we do get a lot of validation from making other people feel good. So if she thinks he'll feel good if he feels smart, and the only way he can feel smart is if I'm not as smart as opposed to an idea of, well, he's probably very smart and so is she. So there's no reason that she should need to debase herself in order to elevate his self-worth so that he likes her. This sort of just like cycle of, well, only one of us can be good, right? Um, And he says that to her as well, that he liked her more when she was smart and cool and all of those things. But that's not entirely true because he's also dating Regina And is totally fine with her behavior. So Katie has every reason to believe that he's going to be more attracted to Katie if she acts more like, she acts more like Regina. I mean, he's giving her all the the cues. cues. Yeah.
0: Yeah, she starts getting stuff wrong on purpose in math class, I I think, even though she knows exactly what it is. Yeah, And so I think what we see there. It, so so often our destructive behaviors and our harmful and sinful behaviors that are destructive for the other person and for us in our relationship with God, what we often call sin, it's rooted in something good, right? It's good to think about, well, how is this going to make the other pe- person feel? To have some empathy for another person. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like... In, in, in a lot of ways speaking very, very generally um, in, in a lot of ways that can come, whether through conditioning or whatever, it can come to women very, very easily to be very mm-hmm. empathetic, to to want to kind of feel oh, how is this going to affect that other person? And right. that's like a superpower. That's really, really good, but it can be twisted when then we lose sight of our own dignity, when we see it as a zero sum game. Right. And as you said, well, if, if you have it, then I don't. And you know, if, if, They make if the woman makes me feel smart, then I get to to talk to her. And there's uh, kind of a a meme in our our culture about men love to explain things, right? We call it mansplaining. Yes, and and we do we love to explain things. And and I think again, there's kind of a a seed of goodness, and then there's a sinful way that it gets twisted. The sinful way that it gets twisted is you're talking over people, you're 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 speaking without listening, you're just kind of trampling over other people's ideas. Mm -hmm. And but the the gem in the the beginning there the good desire there is to teach. Right. right. And I, uh, me with my children, when I'm, when I'm helping them with their Legos that they just got for Christmas, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not mansplaining when I'm helping out. Right. Like not, nobody would right. see it that way. People, people would say like, no, that's a good thing for a father to mm-hmm. do. And so there's something within us, at least I'll speak for myself. I know there's something within me that feels very manly and right that I should be helping people. I should be using my knowledge at the service of other people. But when it becomes twisted in a selfish sort of way, like, oh, let's show you how much I know, right? I'm going to, I'm going to put myself on a pedestal and talk over people here. It can very easily become twisted and, Oh, I have to be the smartest person in the room. And you're worried about yourself rather than is this person getting what they need. So I, I think a lot of times, the way to fix those behaviors is not to eliminate them entirely, but to see them in their proper context of respecting one's own dignity and respecting the dignity Mm -hmm. of the other person. So, um, yeah. yeah.
1: And I'm sure there's plenty of things that he did have to teach Katie. I mean, everybody knows different things, right? It might not be math. It might not have anything to do with school, but ideally if you like someone, you both have interests that you could teach and share to each other. So they could have had plenty of interesting things to talk about and to teach each other. But instead She chose a deceptive route just to make yeah. him feel, to give him that feeling, that thrill of being mm-hmm. able to teach, right? Um, And in the end, it doesn't work. I mean, she gets him in the end because it's a it's a movie, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I,
0: I don't, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm weird. Maybe I'm not like other guys like that. I've always liked smart girls. I feel like mm-hmm. every girlfriend I ever had was like straight A's, <laughs> super smart. Like my, like I said, my wife's a nurse practitioner. Like mm-hmm. she is wicked smart. Like I've always, I've, I love having those intellectual conversations. Um, so I've never really understood that, that idea of, of that a woman would, um, you know, try to try to make herself seem dumb. Cause that, I mean, to me that seems attractive that, Oh, we can like intellectually discuss things and talk things out with each other. I don't know. That's probably cause I'm an extrovert and I like talking things.
1: <laughs> it's also a self esteem um, thing because yeah. you're not intimidated by the intelligence. I mean, if you feel a, sense of insecurity about your own abilities, then you're going to be more inclined to want to put someone down, right? And I think that a lot of that desire to sort of keep women in a, in a box just comes from the insecurity of the people putting them in the box, right?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Unfortunately. <laughs>
0: One of the, uh, when I, whenever I was teaching my students about the 10 commandments, uh, the the final commandments of course are the the coveting, you know, you shall not covet your, anything that belongs to your neighbor, wife, belongings, house, et cetera. And we would talk about envy. And I really think that, that there's like such wisdom from God, surprise from God in those commandments, because when we envy something, when we covet something, when we see something somebody else has that we don't. I mean, it's fine to be like, oh, they got nice shoes. Oh, I think I might want those shoes. Or, oh, they're really good at that. I think mm-hmm. I might want to be good at that. Like, I don't think that's what God is talking about. It's when it it you see it as this zero-sum game of because, oh, they have this. Because they're good at this. Then I must be bad at this. And it makes you, feel like, resent the person and feel bad about yourself. Mm-hmm. And it works in re- reverse, too, is when you have it and – they don't then you feel like some sort of superior and i feel like just that's poison for your soul this constant mm. comparison instead of rejoicing in what is good that another person has uh, cs lewis in his book the great divorce which i highly recommend huge yes, like one of yes. my favorite books of all time he says like when you're in heaven you'll be able to hear someone else sing a beautiful song and be able to enjoy it as if you were singing it yourself mm. And if you're singing a beautiful song, you'll be able to enjoy it as if you were someone in the audience, like delighting in your wonderful performance. And just mm. those, you'll still be individuals, but kind of those selfish barriers within ourselves will be um, dissolved. Uh, St. John Paul II, who was our Pope two Popes ago, talks about love should be disinterested. I mean, And he doesn't mean disinterested, like you shouldn't be interested in the other person, but it's not self-interested. Like you have this disinterested love, which is like, honestly interested in the other person, but there's no self interest in it. It's just honestly pursuing the good and delighting in the good that you see. And I I think we all want to be loved that way. Mm -hmm. And we all want to love that way somewhere deep down, but it's, it's something that's only possible through, you know, the purification of God's grace in our our hearts. I know that's, that's like hashtag goals for me. (laughs) Disinterested love.
1: (laughs) It's hard. I, it's very hard. I think that especially I'm going back to high school my own dating experiences were always not, I mean, I had some very good boyfriends in high school, but jealousy and the little sort of mind games that you play and the like, does he like me? Oh, he's talking to another girl. Oh, I'm going to talk to another boy to get back at him. Those kind of behaviors stem from a, this very interested love, right? This This yes. love that's like, yeah, I really like that guy, but also... It makes me feel really cool in my group of girlfriends, the fact that I always have a boyfriend, right? Yep. So I better make sure that I have a, another guy on the back burner, right? Just in case this one dumps me, you know, like those kind of behaviors um, yeah. that are, you know, in retrospect, incredibly toxic and, you know, yeah. no one ought to behave that way. But when you are thinking about not just is this relationship good, does this person make me a better person do I enjoy being with them also what do they do for my status right those things as well you're messing up the whole relationship
0: exactly yeah yeah I remember the the first time I I dated someone in in high school I was basically like oh she's super cute and she likes me all right (laughs) and that was like that that was the bar it was a very (laughs) low bar it's like I me (laughs) I like them. Here we go, and I learned real fast that like does not make for a happier early. No. And so, like the next time, I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta set the bar a little higher. Like, I gotta like have a, like good friendship, and like she's got to be a good person. And do like, we have anything anyway. in no, common? I was, I was, like, Fifteen. So.
1: what'd you say? Do we have anything in common? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it took it took a couple tries to to up figure that out. <laughs> yeah. So something that I, I that you, you kind of, you hit on with dating and where mm-hmm. I think there's relevance to what we we're talking about before with the social hierarchy and interacting and trying to find your group. I see a difference in the 2004 movie. It's a small theme, but I see it as a big theme in the musical is starting to talk about how Gen Z has a hard time interacting socially. And I see mm-hmm. yeah, I see my, my friends who are, who are younger in this Gen Z generation. Um, I'm kind of an elder millennial. I'm like the, the, the Peak, peak end of the, mm-hmm. <laughs> the pioneer millennial group is, is my age bracket. Um, but the Gen Z, you know, it, it, dating is hard, like, because the dating apps and uh, interaction is hard because of, of COVID and everything's mm-hmm. online. And I remember my last few years of, of teaching in the classroom. One time I was having a conversation with some of my seniors and I was just, I always share stories from when I was in high school, when I was your age, that sort of thing. And one of the girls was like, Mr. Tenney, you see you and your friends did such cool things. You had so much fun. And I was like, really? Yeah. We did and It's like, yeah, me and my friends, like on the weekends, we just like watch Netflix and text each other and FaceTime and and, and, and stuff. And like, we didn't, we didn't like go out and get into stuff. Not that I was doing bad stuff, but we would, you know, like go to a playground at night and be ridiculous. Or we'd, you know, we'd go to borders like the, the bookstore and like have little laser guns and pretend to shoot each yeah. other in the borders. You know, we had toilet paper each other's houses and mm-hmm. it's stuff like that. Um, you know, kind of, kind of innocent, a little bit naughty sort of things. And they're like, no, we don't, we don't do any of that stuff. And, uh, you know, the, I feel like they just, because everything's gone so much online yeah. you know, it's hard for them to ask a girl out. They got to text her and be like, you know, what you doing? You know, there's so, um, I don't it's... know what, what lessons are there here in mean girls for, uh, the younger generation that is very good at online interaction, but because of that has sometimes struggled in real life interaction.
1: Well, I think that, and they'll be very interested to see how the movie handles this because the idea of the burn book is so primitive Yeah. in comparison because those nasty things that are in that book that get spread around the school, that's everyday life for Gen Z. I mean, th- that scene where they're all looking at these horrible things people are saying about them. I can't believe they said this. No, like that's every day that is mm-hmm. on your TikTok, that is on your Instagram, every social media app that you have. It's there forever. Um when it comes to, I mean, from what I've heard and understand about the sexual relationships between boys and girls, I mean, mm-hmm. on one hand, it is very positive that there's a lot less sex happening in Gen mm-hmm. in Gen Z, but there's a lot more nude photos and requests yeah. for digital, like, thing, yeah. mm-hmm. this really impersonal, just, you know, pornographic interactions. Um, and I did not have that at all in high school. I would, if a boy had asked me for something like that, I would have been shocked. Like I had never heard of a, like how, what? You you asked me, you want me to do what? Like now that's, that's common. And sure. so I think about yeah, there, it is so convenient to stay home on your couch. It is so easy and is so convenient. And it, it takes so much effort to be in person, but the effort that it takes to go to your friend's house and be with your friend is worth it for the quality of that friendship. The effort that it takes... I mean, we used to just, like, get in the car and just drive around randomly. But, like, Like, that time, like, mattered. Um, And the effort and the discomfort and the awkwardness of that movie date where they actually pick you up from the house and you actually go to the movie, it's very uncomfortable, but it's so good for you to do that and i i i can't imagine how difficult it would be to be in a situation where the burden of getting to that in person interaction is that much harder that hurdle um mm-hmm. it's it's just really it's a really tough situation. So, yeah.
0: And it's, it's, you know, at a lot of schools, like the, the school that, that I taught mm-hmm. at for, for many years, I struggled with this and we, they tried different things of like, all right, no phones except during lunch. And I think they, they try to no phones at all sort of thing, but it's, you know, it's because phones are in everything right. we yeah. do They You know, they, they, they use it for, to check their grades. Mm-hmm. They use it to text their coaches. Like it's, it's so built into everything we do. It's hard to just say, no phones, but then you go into the cafeteria and instead of kids talking, they're just all, you know, Mm. face down looking at each other. And especially like an awkward kid who feels like he doesn't have any friends. There's not that pressure of, oh, I guess I got to sit with somebody, have that awkward conversation till we finally get to know each other. It's just, you know, you you see the kids waiting at the bus stop when I'm driving, driving somewhere in the morning. And again, they're not talking to each other. They're all just looking at their phones, tippy tapping. And, I think that awkwardness is like so good. I remember when growing up i was I was in scouts, and one of the my responsibilities one year as like the patrol leader for the boy Scout troop is mm-hmm. I had to call the the nine or 10 guys in my patrol every week and remind them that there was going to be a meeting like in two days. And so every week I had to cold call like <laughs> ten people and then, and, and it wasn't going straight to them. I couldn't just text mm-hmm. them. Like it had to be like, hello, uh, Mr. Smith, this is Michael Tenney from troop, whatever. And I'm just calling to her, uh, you know, may, can Caleb please come to the phone or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so there was, and my like, kids these days just don't have that. Uh, and it's super convenient. I mean, I don't call people like that anymore either, but, mm-hmm. I think we need to find opportunities to to build that kind of courage because it is a real service, right mm-hmm. If nobody at your school or nobody in your uh community is calling people getting people together, like we need people that are magnanimous and 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 can can make those things happen because everyone's thirsting for this, right, but hardly anybody has the skills to do it so if you are that sort of person that can, that can organize that and get over the awkwardness mm-hmm. like that is such a way to just bring God's love to people is just provide real in-person interactions to be able to to get to know each other. You know, I think that's, that's such a, it is a real service that we need these days. I think so.
1: It's so hard to feel awkward. And if it's, there's such an easy way to avoid awkwardness. I can't imagine, like I would do this. I would make the same choices if I were a teenager today. I do sometimes. I mean, absolutely. But I mean, this feels so quaint now that it's almost impossible but mm-hmm. I remember my first ever boyfriend, I was like 14 years old. He rode I, – I didn't know him that well, this kid. He rode his bicycle to my house, rang my doorbell. I answered the doorbell and he was like, will you go get ice cream with me? Like that interaction and like in <laughs> retrospect, I'm like – That's
0: adorable. The
1: courage the <laughs> that it took him to do the absolute – courage
0: like such swag that's like I mean, my move.
1: goodness <laughs> I don't know like if you have a choice if if you can just send her an Instagram you don't do that right yeah. because it it is that vulnerability right like that mm-hmm. that the fact that I could have slammed the door in his face or mm-hmm. not been home or you know all of those things like the thing that requires effort and courage and, like, to look someone in the eye and be, like, vulnerable with them. Like, I would like this relationship with you. You know, I, I want to get to know you. To say that to a person face-to-face is hard. But I think that, like, yeah. I do think that that's the only real way to actually yeah. connect with other human beings.
0: hmm Yeah. Yeah, and and in in my experience, I mean, obviously, everyone's a little bit different, but girls love that stuff, you know. (laughs) When everyone else is just texting you, what you doing, Mm -hmm. and you actually show up and be like, "I made reservations. Mm -hmm. Would you like to come with me?" Mm -hmm. Like in my experience, girls really like that. Pro tip (laughs) for the young, the young, the young stags out there. (laughs) Yeah, man. Like I feel like today, if if somebody rode up to your house on a bike and rang the doorbell like when they ring the doorbell in our house it's like, oh, like looking through the windows like somebody rang our doorbell like we're not expe-. people people when they show up to the house they like text from the car like we're here you know like yeah. that's what we do you
1: can do the windows <laughs> like what yeah
0: on the ring on the ring uh <laughs> you know door doorbell whatever yeah
1: Everybody's got cameras. <laughs> uh, but and, and of course we're talking about you know now we're talking about boy and girl relationships but the same is true with girl with Friendships, with female relationships, with relationships between two guys, you know, going up to that person in the cafeteria and sitting down next to them and speaking to them, right? Yes. All of my girlfriends, my my really deep friends, I mean, it's conversation. It's it's hearts to heart. I, I have a, a really close friend who I met on the internet. I met her on Twitter. But our friendship is in person, right? Like, mm-hmm. you. it's not that social media is impossible to form relationships but those connections they have to become real yeah mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah absolutely every every technology has its benefits and its mm-hmm. drawbacks and you, you got to use it in mm-hmm. uh you know it, it takes us a while to kind of figure out the drawbacks and right. i think we're we're figuring that out with social media now and the psychological impact and mm-hmm. we're going to be figuring it out with ai the in, in the, the next 10-15 years but uh mm-hmm. You know, we, we can't forget that it's about people, you know, right. and that that never changes. Like we need we need each other and we're made for each other. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Emily, I have loved this conversation. I'm so excited to yeah. to see the new movie and compare it to the old movie and compare it to the musical. And, mm-hmm. just, you know, <laughs> th- yeah. think about these things and and uh, just, you know, delight in this uh, wonderful gift that Tina Fey and others have given to the world in Absolutely. Mean Girls. I told my listeners that by the end of this show, we would have some real practical ways for them to to know God's love and share God's love. So going forth from here, what's one thing that is kind of your takeaway from this episode?
1: My takeaway from this episode is be honest with the people around you about who you are.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Bear your heart to them and tell people that you want to be their friend. Don't play mm. games. If you want to be someone's friend, go up and say, I would like to get to know you. I would like to befriend you. It is not comfortable, but that is what we should do.
0: Mm. Brave. I know. <laughs> <Super> <laughs> brave. Yeah. I, I think for me, the takeaway is to remember kind of, kind of what you were saying is that it's not a zero-sum game, mm. right? There's there's no limit on love. There's no limit on friendship. There's no limit on acceptance in, in value like God has made us each infinitely valuable. Mm-hmm. And so to not see other people as a threat and to not other, not treat them that way, mm-hmm. to, to see their value, to have that vulnerability and be willing to, to be enlightened, have that freedom that doesn't just rely on what other people mm-hmm. think or what I think other people think. And to try to have that freedom that Jesus did, you know, to, to stand solid in, in, in who I am and, that I'm loved by God and even if other people don't like that or even if other people don't like the particular flavor of Mike that I am <laughs> I'm going to continue to mm-hmm. to to be the person I feel like God's called me to be so That's my takeaway today. So listeners for you, I hope that you have enjoyed this episode. I hope that, uh, you've learned something. I hope that you can, uh, watch the new mean girls movie and we'd love to hear what you have to say in comments below or send us a message. We'd love to to hear about it. We're going to pray to close this out in just a minute, but before we do that, Emily, if people want to know more about you and uh, what you're doing, where should they go?
1: Yes. Um, you can find me on Instagram at eclair drama. Um, I don't post that much, but I am there. I'm also on Instagram at the Catholic artist connection, Catholic artist connection, um, and Catholic artist com. Nice.
0: And if there's Catholic artists listening who are like, Ooh, that Catholic artist thing, like, uh, like, how, how would they take steps in kind of getting involved in what's going on there?
1: Absolutely. So if you go to our website, um, it's really easy to join our newsletter, that's the first way to get in touch. Um, and then there's also, you can send us a message directly depending on where you are in the country. There may be a local chapter that we can set you up with. Um, we're also really eager to support people if they're interested in starting a chapter in their area. So just reach out and I would love to get to know you and have you be part of the community.
0: That's awesome. And we'll put all of those in the show notes for anyone who wants to get involved with any of that stuff. Uh, Emily, would you uh, close us in prayer today, reflecting on the things that we've talked about?
1: Yes. Yeah, so I thought that a little bit of the litany of humility might be a good one for today. Mm. Yeah, so. this,
0: is, this is a brave prayer. This <laughs> <laughs> um, wherever you are. Let's take a moment. Let's quiet ourselves and let's pray. In
1: the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. O oh, Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others, deliver me, Jesus. That others may be loved more than I, Jesus, grant me the p- grace to desire it. Amen. In the name of the Father, of the Son.
0: I haven't prayed that prayer in a while I used to pray it all the time But I kind of forgot about it But man that one just like hits you It hits you right in the ego every time Mm That's a good one. That's a good one. Emily, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed our conversation. I'm looking forward to checking out some of the things that you've mentioned here as well. Listeners, thank you for pressing play today and sticking with us till the end. If you want to support this show, the best way to do that is just to share this episode with somebody. If you know somebody who's a a mean girl stan, or maybe we just talked about something that you think they would want to hear, just share this link with them you don't have to share it on social media if you don't want to but you know take a screenshot send them send them the link and say hey I think you would really like this part of the conversation and that's the main way our show has grown from just a few downloads to hundreds of thousands of downloads that it has so thank you you are uh, what helps this show to continue to grow and if you love this show if this is like one of your favorite things and you listen to almost every episode I would invite you to consider becoming a patron by going to popculturecatechism.com and choosing one of six giving levels where you support us on a monthly basis and you get perks with each one of those levels of giving. And that uh, supports me and my family and everyone at Awaken Catholic. So uh, if that is you, I want to encourage you to do that. I want to thank all our patrons, but especially Carl and Melissa Gore, Lisa and Bob Tenney, Stephen, Maggie Hubbard, and Tom and Emily Kimberiotti. Thank you, listeners. We love you. God loves you more. And we'll see you next time.